you have your Bible, turn to the book of James. We'll be reading the chapter there, but I want to look at some other verses in that chapter before we get there. But I'm sure that we've all heard the expression, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words can never hurt me. And the question is, is that true? I think all of us realize that words do hurt. That sometimes we say things and sometimes we've had things said to us that hurt. And we need to be careful with the words that we use. I'm sure that if you've grown up at a time when you went out and maybe someone made fun of the way you dressed, they made fun of your shoes, or they made fun of your appearance, you remember those words, and you may be older now, but yet you can reflect back on those times and those words still are haunting your mind. And they hurt. Then there are other times that we may say something about the size of someone. I remember when I was younger, I was referred to sometimes as a bag of bones. Well, I've lived that reputation down. I'm not a bag of bones anymore, but that still sticks in my mind. And so I think that we need to realize the value of the words that we say. I don't know if I was inspired to, use, to do this sermon because of the debate, but I think that if you watch the debate, you realize the power of words. And you can see how it, how many wanted to just turn the thing off or scream when they heard what was going on. It shows us that even old men can misuse words. That old people and young people and middle-aged people, we all say things that we need to be careful about. And that's why we have the book of James. James is an interesting book. The book of James is a book of action. And in each chapter you can find a verse that helps us to see the things that are important in the book of James. A lot of people in a denominational world do not like the book of James because I believe that it is a book of action. And James very plainly tells us what we, what's expected out of us. That as Christians there's a life that we should be living. And in James chapter 1, verse 14, we find there that he starts off with something that's very important. He tells us that every man is tempted when he is drawn away by his own lust and enticed. In other words, I can't blame it on someone else. Oh, the devil may put temptation out there. Someone may be involved with that temptation. But yet it's me. I'm drawn away by my own desires. And so I'm responsible for my actions. That's just one of the things... In James chapter 1. In James chapter 2, verse 19, James tells us, Be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. There again, well, that's chapter 1 exactly. But in chapter 1 again, he tells, reminds us that we need to listen. That we need to listen first. And my mother used to say, You got two ears and one mouth. And there's a reason for that. Now, I think that we listen to what someone is saying before we respond or before we get angry. And we need to listen and process what's being said and think about our response. Think about the words that we're going to use. Think about the tone that we're going to use those words with. Now, I think that that's what James is encouraging us to do. In James chapter 2, we find that even so faith... If it hath not works, is dead, being alone. And there it's implied that we need to have something else besides faith, that our faith should move us to be obedient to what God wants us to do and how He wants us to live. 
And then he goes on in verse in chapter two and verse twenty six, makes it even a little plainer. The body without the spirit is dead. We understand that. We know if we've seen someone that has died, we know that when that spirit leaves, that that body is not the same. And James is telling us that faith without works is dead. That faith alone is not going to save us. That faith must have actions that go with it. And then over in James chapter 4, we, he reminds us in verse 14 that life is short. That we're here for a little, short, a very short time. And then we vanish away. And I think the lesson there again is to remind us that the life that we have is precious. The time that we have here on this earth is something that's special. And it's important that we realize our responsibilities while we're here on this earth. And so, looking at life being short, we should be thankful for what we have. But we also should be cautious in the words that we use. And then in James chapter 5, he reminds us there that the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And so James reminds us that prayer is something that is important. That it should be a priority in our life. But it also tells us that we need to be striving to live a righteous life if we want to have God hear our prayers. And so James has a lot of things in it that people sometimes don't like. I'll have someone, you point out what the Bible says, and they'll say, well, this is what I think. Well, it doesn't really matter what I think or what you think. What matters is what God says. And God expects us to change our lives. And He expects us to control our tongue. Back up in chapter 2, when He talked about faith, we need to understand that faith has a lot to do with our behavior. Faith has a lot to do with our actions. Faith has something to do with... God. And so if we want to change our life, we have to trust God that when He tells us what He wants us to do, then we have trust Him to know that that's for our best, for our best interest. It's for our good. And so we have faith, and it takes faith to allow the power of God to work in our lives. And faith must also have an influence over our tongues. And when I say tongues, I realize that a lot of things are typed, written, or instead of spoken. And we need to be cautious of even that communication. When we get on the Internet, when we get on Facebook, whatever it may be, whatever social media you may use, you need to be careful about what you're saying. You need to be careful about how you're saying it. Think about what you've said before you say it. And look at it and make sure that it conveys the right message. When we think about it, dynamite comes in small packages. But yet dynamite can do a tremendous amount of damage. And James tells us in James chapter 3 that our tongue is small, but it can do a lot of damage. So let's read chapter 3. Because he devotes an entire chapter pretty much to the tongue. As I said earlier, if you don't have a Bible, there's one in the pew, but I'd like for you to follow along in James chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. My brethren, be not many masters, knowing that ye shall receive a greater condemnation. And in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same as a perfect man, and able also to bridle the whole body. Behold, we put bits in a horse's mouth that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. Behold also the ships, which though they be great, and are driven of fierce winds, yet are they turned about by a very small helm, whithersoever the governor listeth. 
Even so the tongue is a little member, and boasteth great things. Behold, how great a matter a little fire kindleth. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members, that it defileth the whole body, and setteth on fire the course of nature, and is set on fire of hell. For every kind of beast and birds and serpent of things of the sea is tamed and hath been tamed of mankind. But the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. Therewith curse we God, even the Father. Therewith curse we men, which are made after the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceeded blessings and cursings. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. Doth the fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries, either a vine, figs? So can no fountain both yield salt water and fresh. Who is a wise man and endowed with knowledge among you? Let him show out of good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. But if ye have bitter envyings and strife in your heart, glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, and devilish. For where envy and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. And the fruit of the righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. Here we see James has a lot of things to say about the tongue. The words that we use, the words that we say. He wants us to realize that there's power in those words. We have the power to build someone up or we have the power to turn or tear someone down. And in James chapter 3 and verse 3, he uses a couple of, of items to illustrate the power of a tongue. And one of those items that he uses is a horse. He talks about a horse being turned about by a little small bit. Horses weigh roughly a thousand pounds. Clydesdale is the biggest horse in the world, is what I've read. And they weigh about two thousand pounds. But those horses are guided and directed by that bit that you put in that horse's mouth. You can make that horse turn. You can make it turn right, turn left. You can make it go forward. You can make it even back up because of that bit that is in that horse's mouth. And that bit is resting on the tongue of that horse. And you're able to control this huge horse with that little bit. He goes on and he gives us a picture of a ship that has a very small rudder. But yet that small rudder controls the direction of that ship. It guides that ship. And as I looked for a picture, you can see I saw some huge ships that had very small rudders in comparison to the size of the ship. I was watching or flipping channels the other day. I, uh, uh, Deadliest Catch isn't one of the shows that I watch very often, but it was on, and the ship was in the middle of a storm. And the captain of the ship could hear something rattle. And so he went down to check, or sent someone down to check to see what it was. And it was the rudder of the ship. It was coming loose. And he realized if he lost his rudder that they were in serious danger because they were in a storm. And so they had to get the welders out and they had to start welding parts on to keep that rudder from falling out of the ship. But that's how important the rudder is. And James is using a bit and a rudder to show us that small things have great power. Our tongue is a small part of our body 
but yet it has a tremendous ability to influence. You see, the tongue can change the course of life. When you think about it, when you said those words, I do, if you're married, that changed the course of your life because it wasn't no longer you, just a you. It was you and your spouse. So it changed your life. And when you think about a courtroom, if you stood in a courtroom, maybe you're on trial and they come out, the jury comes out, and they ask, what's your verdict? And they say, guilty. Is that going to change your life? Is that going to change what's happening in your life? It most certainly would. So very short phrases have a great deal of power. It also has the power to change a nation. You can think of the words of Patrick Henry. He said, give me liberty or give me death. But I like the words of Joshua. Because Joshua was talking to God's people, His people. When he said in Joshua chapter 24, and verse 15, "...choose you this day whom ye will serve." Whether the gods which your father served on which were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites, in whose land ye dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Joshua wasn't content to use the words to say, This is who you should follow, you should obey God. He's going to say, As for me and my house, as for me and my family, we're going to serve the Lord. Words have power. The tongue is powerful. It is man's deadliest weapons. We look at all the, the weaponry that our nation has and other nations have, that when we go to battle, we use those weapons. But usually we don't go to war with any nation without words being exchanged. Words have power. And sometimes those words can be very destructive. It is man's deadliest weapon. In fact, James talks about a fire. Look out on the West Coast and you see a fire that has started and you see fires all over the place out there and the destructions, the millions of acres that have been burned and homes that have been destroyed and cities that have been wiped out because of fire. So power, fire, there's power in fire. And sometimes those fires start by maybe a cigarette that's discarded, a match that's been discarded, a spark that has ignited all that fire, and it takes off. Our words have power. You see, there's danger in the fact that when our tongue is uncontrolled by God's power, we're going to be in terrible danger of hurting our own soul and our own destiny. You see, the Bible tells us in James that the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. You think of all the problems that uh, when you say something you know you shouldn't, the pain and agony that it may cause you. When you see that you've hurt someone, sometimes that pain causes you problems. When you look at the tongue, it can defile the whole body. Think of the worry. Think of a, a lack of sleep that sometimes you get because you've said things or someone has said something to you that has hurt the tongue, as the Bible said, is set on fire of hell. It is destructive. How many families have been torn apart by an uncontrolled word? How many husbands and wives have spoken words in anger that they regret? And sometimes the words that we use, it may be the right word to say, but sometimes it's the tone that we say it that makes it sound bad. 
that hurts. And so we need to not only be careful of the words, but we also need to look at our temperament when we're saying those things. Look at why we're saying it. And ask ourselves, do I need to say this? You see, there's a lot of things that, are, that happen in someone's life that maybe you have knowledge of. Do you have to tell everyone else about that problem? Maybe you know someone else that's, or know someone that you know arrives on the scene, everybody welcomes them, and you know them from somewhere else, and you know that they had done something at someplace else that wasn't so good. You know it. The person that did it knows it. But do you need to tell everybody else about it? Words have power. Think of the harsh words that are spoken by Christians to one another. Those words hurt. It hurts the church. It hurts our family of God. Go out. I've run into people that said, you know, I ran or heard somebody talking about your congregation. Or I heard someone talking about some other congregation. What they were saying wasn't very nice. What would they say? I wouldn't repeat what they said. We've got to be careful what we say out there in the world about our brothers and sisters in Christ. Yeah, yeah sometimes we have squabbles. Sometimes we don't get along. That's part of being a family. And that's part of the challenge of working together and getting it all right. But it shouldn't be taken out in the world because those words influence people. We want people to obey the Gospel. We want people to get into church. We want people to go to heaven. And sometimes the words that we say to families that aren't members of the church or people out in the world that aren't members of the church destroy our ability to be able to influence them for good. Think about what you're saying. Harsh words to each other hurt people. Bible says that the tongue is full of deadly poison. I don't know about you, but there's been times in my life where I've had to handle something that was poisonous. Maybe some chemical. But when that happens, you're very careful. Think about bleach. I'm sure some of the ladies and maybe some of the men have dealt with bleach when they're doing the laundry. Are you careful when you pour it? Are you careful when you put it in the washing machine? Or do you just like <laughs> get it all over you and all over everything else? No, you're careful. Why? Because you know that it's going to influence you. What if our words look like bleach on someone's clothes? Think about that. The tongue is deadly. When it talks about it's a deadly poison, my first thought comes up, about snakes. I've hiked on trails. I've ran into rattlesnakes. I've ran into copperheads. I've ran into cottonmouths, all of which are very poisonous uh, snakes. I don't run over and grab a hold of them. I'm usually often going the other way. I leave my wife to go play with the snakes. I'm not playing with them. But think about that. Our tongue is a deadly poison. 
if it's not controlled by God. We should be careful that we never allow a negative or critical word to come out of our mouths against our brothers or sisters in Christ. The good news is there's great possibilities when God is controlling our tongue. As it says in verse 9, there with bless we God, even the Father. We need to be thankful to God for all that He has given to us. In Romans chapter 10, verse 9, it says that if thou wilt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thy heart that God has raised Him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. That is the greatest confession that one could make is the, their confession of their faith that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. In fact, Jesus tells us that if we confess Him before men, He will confess us before our Father which is in heaven. And we see the Ethiopian eunuch make that great confession when he says, Here is water, what doth hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said, If thou believest with all thy heart, thou mayest. And he made that confession that he believed that Jesus Christ was the Son of God. That's a confession that we all make when we obey the Gospel. The fact of the matter, we obey the Gospel when we've heard the Word when we believe that Word, when we repent of our sins, and we confess the name of Christ, and then we're buried with our Lord in baptism, and we rise up out of that water to live a faithful life. And we understand the importance of that confession. When I ask the question, or someone else asks the question, do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? That I do, yes I do, is the answer, and that's the great confession, the greatest confession that anyone can make. But it doesn't stop there. We confess Christ every day in our lives by the actions that we have, if they're Christ-like. We confess Christ when we're asked, do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? We may publicly state that. Yes, we do. But it's our actions that show us, shows the world that there's something different about us. And that difference should also be seen in the way we communicate. Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20. Jesus said, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Jesus understood the power of communication. You and I have a responsibility as Christians to take the gospel to the world. We go out into the world, we teach. When someone wants to obey the Gospel, we baptize them into Christ, and then we teach them some more. We continue to teach. And all of us realize how important it is to grow as a Christian. In Mark chapter 16, 15-16, Jesus said, Go ye into all the world and preach the Gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. But he that believeth not shall be damned. What is the Gospel? The Gospel is the good news. That's what that word means, the good news of the fact that Jesus died for our sins, that He was buried, and that He rose victorious over the grave. Those things are important. And we need to share that good news with the world because the world's in trouble. I don't know if you've noticed, but it isn't getting any better out there. And the Gospel is the only thing that's going to change people's lives. And you and I, as members of the body of Christ, we have a responsibility to take that Gospel out into the world. It's not enough just to know the truth. We need to share the truth. And we do that through our words and through our actions. And hopefully our actions encourage someone to ask us questions about why we have the faith that we do.
He gives us an opportunity to use the tongue to tell others about Christ. To seize those opportunities that are presented to us to tell others about our Lord and what He has done and what He can do for them. He gives us the opportunity when we use our tongue as approved by God or controlled by God to teach a class. It doesn't mean it has to be in a church building. We can teach someone else. We can teach someone our neighbor. We can have a Bible study with our neighbor to show them what they need to do to obey the Gospel. Maybe someone at lunchtime at work. There's opportunities that we have. The question is, do we seize those opportunities? You see, our words are important. We can tell them about our kids. We can tell them about our grandkids. We can tell them about vacations. We can tell them all kinds of other things. But sometimes we just are afraid to tell them the good news about them being able to save their soul. And maybe we should just put a picture in our, in our wallet or in our purse or wherever you carry your pictures. That when you pull them out and you say, here's my, this is my son, this is my daughter, now, these are all my kids, these are my grandkids, look what they do, look how cute they are. Maybe you should have something down in the bottom that reminds you to tell them about how good your God is and how wonderful your Savior is and that He can save their soul too. We have opportunities that sometimes we allow to pass by. When God controls our lives, we need to realize that training our children in the way of the Lord is very important, and those words are very important, along with our actions, especially as mom and dad. It's easy to say what they should do, but sometimes our children see us as we're relaxed at home. They see that we're not always living like we should. And sometimes it's a mistake that we've made, but sometimes it's really the way we live our life. And we're not really what we're supposed to be. And mom and dads have the responsibility of training their children in the ways of the Lord, to bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. We, we sometimes want to delegate that to the church. But God said, you don't delegate that. We may have Bible study, we may have Sunday school. We may have a lot of those things. But the primary responsibility is mom and dad to instill the love of the Lord in that child's heart. And grandparents can help. Uncles and aunts can help. Brothers and sisters in Christ can help. We all have that responsibility to help. But are we teaching our children what we should teach them so that they can be saved? We live in a world where there's a lot of people that are hurting. People that are struggling. People that are living in fear. And sometimes our words could be a tender word to help a troubled soul, as I have on the screen. We can say something that can encourage and build them up instead of tearing them down or leaving them in the condition that they were in before. Make it a goal in your life that when someone's down, that if you can't say something to encourage them, now well, it may not work. There are some people that are down who want to stay down. But don't make it that they're down because of you. Do what you can to encourage them. Speaking a kind word or the right word can bring peace among enemies. 
We see that word, I think, that sometimes when we look at that word enemies, I think that we sometimes think about nation against nation. Sometimes our enemies aren't some foreign government. Our enemy sometimes may be a neighbor, maybe somebody we work with. It may be a family member. And Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 9, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. It's easy to be at war. It's easy to argue and to fight. It's harder to be a peacemaker. So I mentioned in the earlier hour, I said, uh, I know I'm not supposed to talk about politics, but I'm going to talk about politics for a moment. Because there's one thing that I have observed. And maybe you've observed the same thing, or maybe you may think I'm just a nut. But I've noticed that you got two parties out there. When this one's in power, they blame the other side for not getting anything done. When the other side's in power, they blame the other side for not getting anything done. And this is a conclusion that I've come to. That it's always easier to complain and, and tell someone else what they're doing wrong. The hard part is finding the solution. That's why peacemakers are so important. Because a peacemaker is someone that's trying to pull people together. He's trying to make unity. He's trying to get people to work together, not pull them apart. And so we need to understand that words have power. And we have the power to keep those people as enemies, to keep them apart, or we can be a peacemaker and say something to encourage them to see the good in each other and to work together. And that's not only in politics, but that's in the workplace, that's at a home, it's in every aspect of our life that we can be a peacemaker if that's what we want to be. And especially in the church, we can be a peacemaker or we can feed the enemy. Now let me remind you that the true enemy is the devil. And he doesn't want us to work together. And so words are important. Telling friends and associates of God's love for them is so important in our lives. As I've already mentioned, we tell them everything else that happens. And sometimes we're just afraid to use our words to tell people the greatest news in the world. And that is that Jesus died for their sins, that He buried and He rose victorious over the grave. Those are some of the things that we can do with the tongue. In Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 19, we find something else. It says, Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. We lift up our voices as we sing praises to God. And not only is the message going to God, but that message is to encourage every one of us. I don't know about you, but sometimes as I'm driving down the road, I have a, a CD or something that I'm playing. There's gospel singing, songs that we have in our songbook, a cappella uh, type of music. But I do that sometimes to encourage myself. And I think that sometimes when we come to the service, maybe we get out of bed on Sunday and say, oh, I don't really want to go this morning. Maybe all the way to church you say, well, oh, I don't really want to go. But when you get here, how many times have you been uplifted by the songs that we sing? 
the words that are conveyed in that song. And that's what we need to understand, that we're speaking to ourselves, to each other. We're teaching and admonishing with those words. And we are uplifted. When you think about words, they are very important, aren't they? The psalmist said, Let my mouth be filled with thy praise and with thy honor all the day. Why is it important that we have our mouth filled with praise and with honor all the day? Because we're reminded of God's goodness. We're reminded of what God has done for us. And God is worthy of all praise. In Psalm chapter 19 and verse 14, let the word of my words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart. Notice those go together. Jesus tells us that out of the heart comes the issues of life. What's in your heart is what comes out of your mouth. You've ever said something and said, oh, I didn't mean that? Well, when you said it, you meant it. There may be times that you say something and you wish you could just reach out there and grab it and pull it back. But you can't. And so make sure the meditation of your heart is right. What you think about. Think before you speak. Think before you get angry. Think about the things that you're going to say before you say them. And so if you're meditating on the right things, you're thinking those good things and it's going to help you with the words that come out of your mouth. David said in Psalms 39 and verse 1, I will take heed to my ways that I sin not with my tongue. I will keep my mouth with a bridle while the wicked is before me. How many of us have made that promise? Have vowed that we're going to keep our mouths. We're going to, we're going to guard it. We're going to be cautious. We're going to think before we speak. That's what David says that he does before the wicked. But how many of us do that ourselves? I think that we can see, as James is telling us, that words have meaning. Words are powerful. And we need to be cautious. In the world that we live in, it seems like it's getting more vicious every day. But as Christians, we realize that God wants us to be different. But we need to live a life that's acceptable to Him. And yes, God can help us with our tongue. Notice what Moses said when God called him. I'm not eloquent in speaking. I can't, I can't do that. But do you ever notice that when you read about Moses and Aaron going before Pharaoh, Pharaoh Moses is the one that's doing the talk. God can change him. And he did. When you think about Peter, when Jesus was on trial, and the He's standing by the fire warming, warming himself. And they ask, you've been with him. I, we, we know you're, you're one of his. And he denied it. And what did he do? Eventually, he denied it with a curse. He cursed. And Jesus looked at him and he went out and he wept bitterly. But look at what he did on the day of Pentecost. It was Peter and the other apostles that stood up and proclaimed the gospel on the day of Pentecost. Can God change people? Look at Saul, who was later Paul. Saul consented to the death of Stephen, held their coats, 
In Acts chapter 8, we see that he made havoc of the church. But yet when Ananias went to him and said, Why tearest thou arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord? We see that God changed him. God can change us too. Don't use your temper. Don't use other things as an excuse. Let God control your tongue by meditating on the things that He wants us to meditate on and submit your tongue to God. God will help us. In Proverbs chapter 12 and verse 25, it says, Heaviness in the heart of man maketh it stoop, but a good word maketh it glad. You think about people that are suffering and troubled. Good words encourage them. And I'm sure all of us, all of us, have been in situations in our life where someone came along and just said something that made us feel better, that helped us. So I want to encourage all of us to be careful with our words, to live the life that God wants us to live, and trust Him. This morning, if you need to respond to the invitation, you can come and have a seat up here on the front row. You have that opportunity while we stand and sing.